Welcome to Candidates of Liberty, a special series from Lions of Liberty dedicated to spotlighting libertarian candidates across the country. If you enjoy our work, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. What's up, friends and fans? Welcome back to another edition of Candidates of Liberty. I am your host this week, Mark Clare, here with a candidate for California State Assembly, a gentleman, or maybe a young man, I might say, by the name of Brandon Nelson. Brandon, are you ready to roar? Yes, I am, Mark. Thank you for having me on today. Yeah, man, I'm thrilled to have you on here. It's always good to see uh, libertarians taking action out here in California, where, uh, let's be honest, the ideas can often be a tough sell. Uh, But why don't we first get into how you became a libertarian, uh, both philosophically as well as how you became involved with the Libertarian Party? Um, Well, I would say that started very early on. Um, I'm I'm a little homeschool brat, so Uh the ideas of the Founding Fathers were drilled into me from a very early age. But as far as being a libertarian... um, I'd considered myself fairly libertarian in my ideology before I changed my registration from independent and decided to pay my dues. But the event that really finally pushed me to get involved and re-register was reading the book, Ain't Nobody's Business If You Do. It's uh, about the absurdity of consensual crimes in a free society. It's by Peter McWilliams. And I was in favor of drastic reductions of the scope of government power and in some cases total elimination of bureaucratic framework, but still wasn't quite comfortable with some of the other things like the positions of the party up until then. That book wrecked a lot of my viewpoints, though, and really made me re-examine my own perspectives and dive in deep on everything from controversial topics like the drug legalization prostitution to topics as mundane as uh, seatbelt mandates. After reading that book, a lot of my viewpoints shifted a bit and some had completely transformed, but I was no longer comfortable being politically educated, independent. I had to stand up for what I believed in. The Libertarian Party offered me an opportunity to do that with like-minded people. You know, Brandon, I've been doing this podcast and doing interviews with libertarians for almost five years now, and uh, it's not very often that I hear, uh, you know, a new book that was, you know, kind of someone's inspiration for for getting more involved. So I had never even heard of that one before. So that's something I'm definitely going to uh, link to in today's show notes, and uh, you know, maybe check out myself because, it, like I said, it's rare that I hear something besides, you know, some combination of Ron Paul, Ayn Rand, uh, <laughs> etc. <laughs> uh, yeah, Peter McWilliams. It's uh, very cheap on Amazon. The last time I bought like three or four copies to hand out to friends, I think it was under 10 bucks a copy. It's a fantastic book. And um, a couple of the friends that I've handed out copies to refer to it now as their libertarian Bible. So definitely a book I'd recommend. Awesome. Well, like I said, we'll link to that in today's show notes. Now, uh, why don't we get into just why you ran for office here in California for state assembly? And uh, I mean, also, as we talked about before the show, you're only 21 years old. So why did you decide to run for office at all at this age? (laughs) I'd always been interested in politics. Uh, A lot of that had to do with the fact that I was a bit of a history nerd in school. Um, And then when I was younger, my parents used to play co-ed softball. And one of the players' wives uh, used to work at the appropriations department, the California State Capitol. So when I was like five or six, I was sitting on the bleachers talking to her about her work and just enamored with the, the idea of government and how it had evolved since the founding fathers sent up a more of a like a monarchic viewpoint with the constitution but how it's just evolved since then and become the leviathan that it currently is so i'd always been interested in the idea of running for office but after getting involved with the party and seeing how things have been going in this state i decided that i needed to run when i found out that the uh, democratic incumbent had currently been running unopposed i decided i needed to change that 
that happens pretty often uh, here in California. We'll have, Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, and incumbents that just run completely unopposed, especially in some areas, which which is most of the state. Let's be honest, that are are so heavily Democratic. There's almost no point in running against them. Um, so you did choose to run in this race, and you did something that can often be very difficult here in California, and that is make it to the general election. Difficult for third party candidates, that is, because we have this top two system, and generally the top two ends up being either one Democrat, one Republican, or in some cases two Democrats, which is which is even more ridiculous. But uh, you did actually manage to run a little write-in campaign and um, you know become the second person to get votes in that primary. So here you are in the general election against this incumbent Democrat. So why don't you first tell us you know how you you know went about uh, doing this write-in campaign, how you're able to garner that the votes that you needed to make it to the general election. Well, I would say that the most important thing is using the community relationships that I'd already had. I mean, I've been a Dixon resident for, I mean, the vast majority of my life, either in town or around town out in the country. Um, So I, I reached out and I got a lot of the write-in signatures, but I, in order to qualify for the ballot, even that was, that was an adventure in of itself. But um, getting people energized to vote wasn't, wasn't necessarily too hard. The people that I had a chance to talk to before the primary, which Unfortunately, wasn't quite as many as I would like. Luckily, it paid off. I, I beat the Republican by two votes and the Green Party by four. So every vote does count. And I strongly encourage our viewers to get out there and do their part. But a lot of it is just being involved in your community and showing people that you care and trying to make sense of the common ground and showing them how libertarian principles can actively affect their life and help them day to day. Because we talk a great game on principle, but as far as showing how we want to try and help make their lives for themselves as individuals and them or and for their families better. It's not necessarily our strong suit and that's something that we need to work on. Luckily, I think I was able to make an impression on the people in my community and that carried forward into the primary. All right, Brandon, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit more about your Democratic opponent and uh, just what your strategy has been running against someone who has been so entrenched in the political system there. So my opponent was the, um, she was on the city planning commission, uh, the city council and the mayor of a neighboring town of mine over in Winters, California. Um, and she went in to the 2016 election against the Republican talking a fairly good game, seemed like a more of a moderate Democrat, um, mainly talking about issues like trying to stop the twin tunnels project, preserving the Sacramento Delta job creation, the importance of agriculture in our economy and our district. Um, unfortunately, since entering office, she hasn't sponsored or written any bills to that effect that I've been able to find. Um, most of her sponsorships have been towards designating months and days, like the Civil Grand Jury Awareness Month was one that she sponsored a bill about. But the Twin Tunnels is still a threat to local farmers and ecosystems, and employment has been employment has been made more difficult due to the measures that she supported, like the gas tax, which makes it more expensive for people to get to and from work, as well as not easing pre-existing licensing and tax burdens that are already notorious in our state so that individuals and businesses have greater opportunity for success. Um, as far as taking her on, she, like you were saying, she is quite entrenched in the political system and it might not be easy. Um, my main plan of attack, not so much going against her, but just the, the state of California. It's since she's taken office, she hasn't really done a whole lot to simplify the problems facing our district to address those. And that's 
something that irritates a lot of people. She voted in favor of the gas tax, and that's increasing the burden on students and commuting workers, on people that are going to pick up their kids, take them on vacation. It's adding an undue burden on the citizens of California, and many of them don't appreciate things like that. The existing infrastructure with all of the permit fees, the licensing, taxation, it's another issue that even though the economy might be doing a little bit better right now, it's still not making people happy that the, this kind of framework is in place. It's, it's, it's still problematic. It's not helping anyone. Right. So it sounds like in many ways that, you know, when you're out there speaking to people about this, you would want to point out either her her lack of action in certain areas that she promised or her action in, in areas such as like the gas tax where they're actively harming many members of her constituency. Exactly. I don't want to run a negative campaign. I don't want to get into this traditional mudslinging of party politics. It's not attractive to me and it's going to it's going to make voters resentful. It doesn't get the problems fixed. But the problem that we're currently faced by the California legislature is that either they don't address issues that drastically impact our lives negatively, we need them to be addressed, or they waste their time on things that sound nice but don't actually have a positive net benefit towards us. And those are the issues that I want to focus on because they're going to have the greatest um they're going to have the greatest impact on voters. Those are the ones that are going to draw their attention and make them wonder, well, why is my government doing this when they're actually supposed to be supporting me and making my life better and easier? When in reality, all they're doing is making it harder to make a living, harder to put a roof over the head of myself and my family and degrading, devaluing the overall quality of life in California. Speaking of the issues here, what what are say you know three issues that are the most important to you? Um, whether it's just out there campaigning and speaking to people, or just you know from your own philosophical point of view, what are the issues that you know you really would put the, put at the top of your list? So for California, the main priorities that I have if I'm elected in November will be to close the housing gap, reduce the state level tax burden on people and businesses, which will help to create jobs in the state and hold government accountable to the people. I'd like to address the housing crisis by doing a couple of things, the first of which would be to examine state-level zoning, planning, and land use regulations to eliminate those that are overburdensome and unnecessary. The second would be to work with local governments, property owners, and developers to decrease permit fees and help streamline the processes involved to help spur the necessary construction to help make housing more affordable. We've seen policies like rent control, and we've seen other policies as well that sound nice and they sound like they're going to help people. But the problem is, is that you have populations increasing in urban areas where housing construction is negligible at best. And we need to change that. We need to make it so that as you're seeing an increase in demand, you're also seeing an increase in supply. Otherwise, you're going to see drastically inflated costs of housing. And especially for people in my age group, which is the 18 to 30 year olds, we're getting out of school, whether it's high school or college, we have a degree, we have debt, unfortunately, which that's a completely separate issue I'm not going to get into right now. But we're saddled with all of this and we're trying to get employment, but we can't even afford to put a decent roof over our heads. And that's extremely problematic, especially for young students. And that's one thing that I'm trying to reach out to them on. As far as taxes, I don't, I will never vote for a tax increase if elected. I believe that Californians are being taxed to death. I think that John Stossel did a great piece recently with a young woman for Reason TV a few months back that highlighted the absurd amount of taxes that Americans are faced with in everyday life. And that's even aside from the taxes on our income and the sales tax on every transaction, especially in California. Things like car registration fees, property and utility taxes, even admissions and entertainment taxes. 
it, it just inflates prices and incentivizes gray markets, incentivizes people to dodge the system or makes things unaffordable. And it's a travesty. These kinds of taxes are hurting Californians and need to be eliminated where possible and reduced at the very least. We need to let Californians keep their money and let them decide what is in the best interest of them and their families. Do you find that this sort of line of uh, libertarian messaging, uh, you know, addressing a lot of the real issues that affect people uh, resonates with, you know, people your age? I mean, what kind of people are really are you able to connect with on this stuff? I'm finding a lot of people are very receptive to my messaging, especially on issues like ta- on taxation and um, housing, mainly because, like I was saying, especially in my age group, there are a lot of people that just can't afford to get a decent apartment or house or condo or whatever they're looking for. Housing in California is becoming more and more unaffordable, even rent. I won't get into rent is theft. That's not something I'm going to get into, <laughs> but... You get the point. Housing in California is just not feasible for many people, whether it's just themselves or their families. And that's something that needs to be addressed by providing a greater market supply rather than just seeing an increase in demand time after time and doing negligible work to address it. And as far as tax increases, I'm seeing a lot of people, especially especially in the, I won't say older because that's not accurate, but the more experienced age groups, especially like 30 to 40 year olds, independent voters, and that in those margins is where I'm seeing a lot of reception on, um, on dealing with taxation because they're the ones that are already getting established with their lives. They're the ones who have been working for a few years. They've been out of school and they're looking at the world with a different perspective than they had when they were in school or when they were training. They're having to deal more accurately with the costs of living. They're having to provide for their families if they've started one of those. It's, it's increasing the burden on them. And it's the more money or the more time that they're spending at work trying to be able to afford life for themselves and their families in California, it's less time that they can actually spend with their families. And that's some of our, you know, going kayaking, spending times with pursuits that they would rather be doing rather than paying or rather than spending more of their time, essentially just trying to cover the tax burden. I think that's a great way to message things to directly tie the amount of money that people end up spending, whether it's on high rent for which are, of course, are, are is something you can tie back to various government policies or whether it's addressing taxes directly is is relating that money to fit to actual time, because that's someone that everybody, nobody has enough time, um, you know, to either do, you know, to have leisure in their day because everybody is working so darn much uh, to pay that rent that although I, I would agree with you that uh, philosophically, it's certainly not theft. Sometimes it does feel like it because it's just so damn high out here. Um, yeah. but, uh, Brandon, finally, I- I'm curious, what is one libertarian position or viewpoint, if you have one, that you might not be fully on board with or maybe that you just you know have some questions about? Well, that's an interesting question. On the political front, I've been very pleasantly surprised to find that I don't have any qualms with the libertarian platform thus far. Um, I think that there are social issues that would can be addressed outside of the political framework that can better increase the quality of life in America. But I, I think that the libertarian platform is very representative of my beliefs and views, and I look forward to championing that, hopefully in the state legislature after November. All right, Brandon. Well, I certainly look forward to you uh, continuing to champion the ideas of liberty in uh, what can often be a very tough place to do so. And I wish you the best of luck in your race. Before I let you go, why don't you just let everybody out there know how they can find uh, more information about your campaign, how they can contribute or, or you know, even help out on the ground if they're out here in California. Yeah, we are always interested in any any response we can get from voters, whether that's volunteerism, whether that's donations or whether it's just taking the time to talk to us about issues. 
If you want to learn more about me and go to my uh, Facebook page right now, that would be facebook.com slash Nelson, the number four for assembly. So that's facebook.com slash Nelson for assembly. Um, we should have the website up shortly. And then uh, to donate, you can go to my crowd pack, which is also linked to on all of my Facebook posts. So thank you very much, Mark. All right, Brandon, and thank you for your time. And again, wish you the best of luck in your race. Keep up the great work and keep on roaring. Thank you very much. All right, kids, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Brandon Nelson. Very rare for a libertarian to be the sole option on the ballot other than the incumbent, in this case, an incumbent Democrat. Uh, Usually the top two system doesn't really benefit libertarians, but in this case, having the L as the only other alternative, I thought was a pretty interesting situation, and that's why I wanted to bring on the young Brandon Nelson. 21 years old, he is running for uh, office here in California I was 33 years old, 33 years old when I started my podcast. That's really my first public efforts for the ideas of liberty, although we did, of course, have the Lions of Liberty website where we wrote articles for a couple of years prior to that. But I'm just very impressed by the fact that Brandon Nelson is so well-spoken and able to get out there and earn enough write-in votes to even make that general election ballot in the first place and be out there campaigning for these ideas. So please do check out Brandon Nelson's campaign. And please do check out the rest of the shows on this podcast feed. We are the only libertarian variety show out there. On Mondays, you hear me, Mark Clare, host regular interviews with leaders in the libertarian movement, as well as fun roundtable discussions. We actually just had our five-year anniversary party yesterday. Uh, if you listen to that show and this is your first time listening today, let's just say it's a very different episode than the, than the interview you heard today. We had some adult beverages. We had some drinks. We had some good memories and some good times overall. And uh, of course, we also have Brian McWilliams every single Wednesday bringing you his weekly shot of comedy, culture, and liberty on Electric Liberty Land. And my man, John, Odermatt wraps things up every single Friday with his hard-hitting look at the broken criminal justice system on Felony Friday. You get all of that, and for a limited time only, this show as well, Candidates of Liberty, all by hitting that subscribe button for absolutely free on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Now, of course, if you need even more content beyond that... I encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. The funding that we get through there helps us do shows like this, helps us do shows like we did uh, on the road at Porkfest this year, on the road at the Libertarian National Convention this year, helps us keep the lights on. Every single dollar we earn goes back into building and promoting and growing this program. So we certainly do appreciate your support. And right now, for a very limited time only, actually only runs until this Thursday at midnight, this Thursday, September 20th, Anybody who signs up for our Patreon, our Lions of Liberty Pride, any new members between now and this coming Thursday, get a free Lions of Liberty five-year anniversary t-shirt as long as you sign up at the $5 or higher level. That's what you need to do to get access to all of our bonus audio content. And there is just so much content. We do a show called Conspiracy Corner. Pretty obvious what that one's about. We do a show called Degenerate Gamblers, which is a little bit about gambling, mostly about old stories from our college days and the present. That is a really fun time. Uh, There is really no shortage of extra bonus programs that we do. We also do a lot of bonus episodes with guests. I recently uh, had an extra segment with Scott Horton that we actually turned into a Conspiracy Corner program. So just no shortage of content, both here on the Public Lions of Liberty feed as well as over at our Patreon. So please do check that out once again over at patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. Until next week, kids, don't forget to live long and live free.